All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Full Seam Ahead. We are about a day and 16 hours, so like 40, minute, 40 hours uh, away from the trade deadline. It is a busy time for baseball. It's a busy time for the Astros, just coming off of that 3-1 uh, series win against the Mariners as part of this homestand. We've got a lot to talk about today. We've got a lot of ground to cover. Uh, we're going to review this this. Uh, Series against the Mariners, which was full of a lot of drama and intrigue, if you will. Uh, we'll talk about the Red Sox coming to town to start off this week. And, of course, we're going to be talking trade deadline. That is the dominating news out there. It's what everyone's talking about. It's what anybody can keep their mind focused on. It's like the baseball games don't even matter as much as what's going on behind the scenes right now. Uh, but we got all that for you guys and more. So, Lorenzo. The series against Seattle, we swept them in their house last week. We brought them to Houston this week. What's your one word to recap this series? I got two words, ass-kicking. Shoot, it was a great uh, series for the boys. Obviously, we could have had a sweep and, um, you know, continue winning another World Series against them. But, I mean, it happens. You know, Presley gave up them two runs. And, you know, you can't continue having a hot streak like you're supposed to. Even though your closers are supposed to be the dominant, you know, pieces in your bullpen, everybody's human. Baseball players, you know, it, it just happens. So, but overall, I mean, it was an ass kicking series. Uh, Scott Service is still a little, you know, piece of shit that he is of a manager, and that's why he. I don't think he'll ever see a freaking World Series coming his way anytime soon. Yeah, overall, I, I thought it was it was a pretty good series. Obviously, you know, other than Friday night, it's not like. You know, it was complete domination, but pitching looked strong. The bats looked strong. We saw strong performances from uh, Jordan, had a big series. Elimis Diaz, and of course, uh, Alex Bregman had a, had a great series as well. Uh, we'll start there on Thursday night in in the series opener. It was kind of the, the night of Bregman. Uh, he went yeah. two for four with a home run, had a double that was damn near another home run. Uh, you know, we, we were there, and when he hit that double off the – off the wall and left center. I thought I thought it was going to get out up there to the home run pump. Um, but overall, that game, we saw a pretty solid offensive showing. But the real story going into that game, like we talked about the storyline, was would that be Jose Arquiti's last start as an Astro? And if it was, he performed really well. He went six and two-thirds, four hits, two runs, two walks, three strikeouts. Um, yeah, it was just a solid game, 4-2 win. By the time dust settled, it, it not a whole lot else to say. Yeah, like you said, it was just the Bregman show. Honestly, it was just you know had the home run starting off early for the boys, and obviously getting that big hit in the in the I believe it was the seventh or eighth inning, uh, getting Yuli to score. Then obviously it was a scary moment too when he had crashed into home plate and the pitcher just literally tackled him and almost threw his knee out. But, I mean, it was a great game for Bregman to get his get him back in the groove again. You know, he went two for four with an RBI double and, you know, the three RBIs that he had done. So, yeah, it was a great game for him. Uh, or Kitty, too, like you said, it could be his last star as an Astro, going six and two-thirds, four hits, two earned runs, two walks, and three strikeouts. I mean, especially when you're, your name's on trade talks and everything like that, you're going to be iffy, and it could get to your sure. head. And Urquidy for sure did not let that get into his head or anything. Had a quality start. Um, you know, Mark Berman had 
posted and tweeted that you know he said Kitty on being mentioned in trade trade speculation. Or Kitty quoted, "I got all social media and I saw it. If something happens, let's see. I would like to stay here for many years. I know this is a bin a business, but he also had it in his mind too that it was a little bit like in his mind, like I was saying when he was pitching on the mound Thursday night and." If it is his last game with us, my gosh! I mean, it was a great, great run for him. It was. Um, I'm just miss seeing him, him alive if he goes, I, it's big. It's really big for us, especially the culture in Houston as well. Being a Latin Mexican community, and he's, you know, he's a Mexican. He's from Mexico, and um, I know he has a big impact on that. I mean, it just sucks. It's like he said, it's a business. We can't do nothing about it. The only thing we've done, and I'm pretty sure Kitty loved that he was a part of what two World Series. Um three. Yeah, oh, yeah just, no, two, two, two. No, it was two because uh nineteen and twenty-one. Yeah. It could be three if he stays. But hey. you know, we we don't know. We don't know. But um yeah, tip tip of the cap for him. I mean Wherever he goes, I think he's going to still dominate. Uh, he's still going to be a great pitcher and going to help an or- another organization win ball games. So, yeah, um, yeah, really going to miss him if he does end up being traded. Me too. He's he's been great to have around. I think been a good mentor to a lot of guys as well. Um, but anyway, so moving into Friday's game, it was it was Friday night fireworks all over the place. We had JV on the mound and he was dominant. Seven and two thirds, five hits, one earned run, five strikeouts. I mean, he looked he looked prime, and again, you know, like we keep saying it, but this is incredible. What we are seeing from Justin Verlander is is so remarkable, and no matter how many times we say it, it doesn't seem to really take effect of just how special what this guy's doing. And and watching him on Friday night just on cruise control, I mean, it was effortless. He was phenomenal, and you know it. He's taken the transition really well of he's not the high strikeout punch out pitcher that he that he is known to be, you know, like he built his career on that, but he works the count, he gets ground balls, he gets fly outs. He is just doing every aspect of the game at such a high level at almost 40 years old coming off Tommy John. It, it's just it's it's special to watch and then of course the real highlight was that run support behind him. Yeah, I mean, Yuli going two for four, Alvarez with the your dong of number 30 of the season, going three for three, Bregman continuing to stay hot, two for four. Uh, Diaz, Diaz started it off with a bomb, and (laughs) yeah, shoot, Diaz started with a bomb, and um, Enigid with another bomb, too, against a position pitcher, you know, position player pitching. And uh, Dubon, stand account over here. I'm telling you, we're still taking applications if you want to continue being on the president. Not president, but the fan club of Mauricio Dubon, we're still here. Hey, uh, and this is it. the this is the origin of the Mauricio Dubon fan club. The origin, the origin. Right there. Lorenzo's the, the president. You already know. You he already founded know. it, not Ben Dubose. So, I mean, we could go co-founding if Ben Dubose wants to, but I'm I got to take one on this one. But yeah, going two for three with the bomb. I mean, of course. Everybody, I mean, everybody was high on him when he was coming here, including myself. And I'm still high on him because I think he's going to, I don't know if they're going to deal with Diaz, you know, because his contract's ending and he's going to go elsewhere or they're going to bring him back. But if not, I mean, you got Dubon for at least about what, two or three years of team control. Yeah. And he's a utility man. He goes in the outfield, the infield. Uh, yeah, and he everything's plays like good that. defense 
Everywhere exactly. Is he's yeah. played above average. Yeah, but um, I mean, everybody in the lineup was just hitting just Altuve, uh, Jeremy Pena, and Maldonado didn't get a hit that game. But especially when you have run support with, I mean, 11 of one, I mean, it was a great game for these boys to get their bats going. It was. And I, I've really, even going into this game, I've continued to be so impressed with Elevens Diaz and the job he's doing in that utility role because he's had to, I mean, he's played quite a bit this season, but especially over the last month when he's really been more or less an everyday starter, you know, since the Brantley injury, he's been the sub in uh, more often than not. He's performed really well. And, you know, we'll talk about the trade deadline here in a little bit, but if I'm the Astros front office, you know, certainly there's, you know, some pressure to make a move in the outfield. But I really think that if push came to shove and we needed to put Alebnis Diaz as our pretty much everyday left fielder, I don't have an issue with that. I, I've really been impressed with him. He plays just fine defense in left field, especially at Minimaid. Um, he, he, I mean, he manned left field in Oakland as well, just just fine. Um, you know, with that all that felt territory, but with more consistent ABs, he's just been hitting phenomenally and he's had a lot of clutch RBIs. He's been deadly with two outs and runners on. So, you know, I, I it, to me that just goes into the the wealth of this uh this franchise and this team is that we have a utility guy who could be a starter on probably 18 other ball clubs. You know, like and, and he's our backup utility guy. Yeah, so exactly. It, it's been nice seeing him. And you're right, his contract is up after this year. But I think the way, like I said, he's been hitting so well, he could yeah. easily walk in free agency and go start, you know, for you know, pretty much any club that needed an infielder. He could go anywhere with, with his versatility and, and his bat. I think he's going to be a, a pretty hot free agent. I really do. Yeah, I mean, this series against Seattle, I mean, going six for nine, um, hitting three bombs and four RBIs, so... You don't. You're. I don't think anybody else is gonna have another utility man like Lemus Diaz. I mean, we saw it in 2017 with Marvin Gonzalez when he was with us. You know, 17, 18. Exactly. I mean, he took. You know, he took that role of being the utility man, and then all of a sudden, we bring in Diaz, and now he is our utility man for this golden age of Astros baseball. From what I believe 2020, we had him until, or was it 2019? One. No, we US. had him in 2019. We definitely had him. Yeah. In 2019. So. So yeah, it was one of the trades for. Um, he was, was in that trade, trade with, I believe. He was in that trade with Toronto. Uh, yeah. That I think he came over with. Um, the pitchers. Oh, who, Joe Biagini. Yeah, Biagini. Annabelle Sanchez. Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. So yeah, I mean, Ledmus Diaz has been a great addition to this team. I wouldn't be mindful, like you said, if he does play some outfield. You know, go ahead. I'm all for it. if we don't make a move for an outfielder. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more later on. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see what Click decides to do after this offseason. And it was something else that happened on Friday night mid-game. And it's actually funny. It was right after, I think, Jordan's home run in, like, the fifth or the sixth. It was minutes later that Jeff Passon tweeted the trade between Seattle and Cincinnati. It's going to send Luis Castillo out west to, to the Mariners. So it's kind of just funny happening. Like, they're in the middle of getting their ass kicked. And then they go take the hottest pitcher uh, on the, on the trade market, which again we'll, we'll break down here in a little bit and more on tomorrow's trade deadline special. But sorry, Seattle, that ain't gonna save you. 
that that ain't yeah. gonna be your your whole yeah like it, yeah like you said we'll talk about it a little bit more when we get there but I I was very not satisfied about it I really wanted Luis Castillo on our team but you know it happens and you know maybe it was for the best for everybody so we'll we'll just have to see what happens we will see and then Saturday game three this was a frustrating game this was I thought we were past the point in the season where um we were clutching defeat from the jaws of victory. I felt that like that was the defining idea of April and May for these Astros was not being able to score late, you know, giving up runs and, and not being able to bounce back. But this is what happened on Saturday night. Fromber struggled early. He had three runs in the first. And granted, they it's not like they were like hitting him around. It was some bloopy bloopy singles and a fielder's choice and it just happened. You know, it's one of those things that, that happens. But I mean, after that, Fromber bounced back and we were still in this game. Fromber went seven strong, five hits, three earned runs, a walk, seven strikeouts. And eventually the bats showed up. You mentioned Alemis Diaz went, went long again Saturday night. He opened it up. Uh, he went three for three actually on Saturday coming off that game uh, on Friday night where he hit so well. But then things just kind of fell apart. Yeah, I mean, ninth inning comes into play. I mean, the Astros are at four three. Um, Presley gives up a leadoff walk, and we've talked about it before. I mean, we've even tweeted about it. Walks kill games. I mean, when you give up a leadoff walk or even two walks in a row, that's gonna hurt your ball club. And sure enough, it just did, and you know, came and bite Presley in the ass. Uh, gave up a leadoff walk to Jesse Winker, and then Adam Frazier comes in and hits a single. Then he collects two outs. And then all of a sudden, you know, every former Astro always does something to ruin a game. There always has to be one. And sure enough, one of them was, you know, our guy from last year, Abraham Toro. He had an RBI single and, you know, next thing you know, Seattle took the lead from us. But, um, I mean, like I said, I was saying earlier in the show, I mean, it's going to happen. And uh, yeah. we obviously saw Presley's, what, 32-something scoreless innings of not allowing a hit. So, I mean, it's going to happen. Maybe, you know, it just needs to – it's just going to happen, period. Like like I said, not every closer is the best. Just think about Mario and Rivera giving up that big hit in the World Series to Luis Gonzalez, and next thing you know, the Yankees lose the World Series. So, um, you know, pitchers are going to make mistakes, but, you know, they grow from it. That's how you grow yeah. from baseball. It, it, it happens, and, you know, I think it was a combination of, you know, the weird – former Astro voodoo combined with like, I mean, what do you want from Presley? He can, he just yeah. retired 32 batters in a row. You know, like he had was tied with Justin Verlander for consecutive outs. He was chasing down the, the club record for uh perfect innings. He's fine. It happens. If you are expecting, and that's the thing, people will warp their perceptions when we're talking about specifically the bullpen is that you got to realize that their sample size is so small. Like, they're pitching an inning here, an inning there. And you can't judge their entire composition off of essentially one batter, you know? like Exactly. Sure, it's going to show in, in the box score that Presley gave up two runs in one inning, but really it was one batter who had a single against a shift that just made it work. So, you know, if you're freaking out about Presley or, you know, people are on Twitter like, oh, we've got to get a closer at the deadline. Presley is not the answer. Like, Chill out. He's going to be just fine. Um, but there was a little drama, too, going into that eighth inning. 
Uh, Julio Rodriguez, who was back, who was back in the lineup for this series. You know, we didn't see him last week in Seattle. Uh, he was dealing with a wrist injury, and there's a bit of a weird um, happenstance. Uh, Montero was on the mound and threw an inside pitch that on a two, on a thing a two two count that Rodriguez swung at. But as he was swinging, his the ball hit his hand. And it was ruled a strikeout. He was called out, but he was very much clearly in, in pain in his hand. Uh, and so he came out and he actually played defense the bottom of the eighth. And then it was actually Toro was pinch hitting for him in, in the top of the ninth. Um, but you just knew that Scott Service was about to be on some bullshit from that. Oh, I mean, we've had already history already, you know, this past, what, May or June that all of a sudden, bull, 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 not bullpens, um, dugouts are being cleared, and you have Joe Espada and Omar Lopez about to go kick his ass. And I mean, there's not a hit, there's a history from this crap. And even Blum said it, you know, at yesterday's game that where Altuve got hit. Um, there ain't nothing new. I, I'm, I'm so sorry to not see Seattle, you know, be in the next games of August, September, but you know, this is going to continue on until next year obviously oh for sure and i mean scott service has to have a better approach than that come on like why would we hurt julio Rod why would why would the astros sense want to hurt you know a good player a great you know a great talent too we're not well, like and that it's it, it's not like it wasn't even a normal hit by pitch you exactly. know because like the mariners fans were all like oh the astros have hit 15 seattle batters this year whatever, whatever. And like going back to the whole thing you were mentioning back in June with Naris, um, or I guess, yeah, early June mm -hmm. uh, with, with, you know, Naris getting ejected from that game and benches clearing, whatever. But like, this was not a pitch that ran inside and, and clipped his hand. He swung at the pitch. He struck yeah. out. He, he yeah, swung exactly. and, and his hand hit the ball. It's unfortunate. It sucks. You hate to see a guy. And like, I, and I like Julio Rodriguez. I think he's, you know, very clearly the favorite for the rookie of the year, and I think he's going to be a problem for Houston uh, for a long time. But to act like there was any kind of intentionality here from the Astros is so stupid, and their fan base is so – you can't even call them, like, spoiled. It's like they're, they've never won anything. Most of them have never been alive to see the Mariners in the playoffs. Obviously, no one's ever seen them even play for a World Series – so like, I guess it's I don't I don't know, but they were just being ridiculous. Uh, and after the game, their team did like a little dance on the mound, which they do in all their wins. It wasn't specifically yeah. a Houston thing, but mm -hmm. also like their fans were just going crazy on Twitter, like finally like we beat the Astros, you know, going after J Rod, whatever, whatever. But it was it was a stupid, it was a frustrating loss, it was an annoying loss, but it's not any kind of season definer or anything like that yeah especially when we already owned them in the month of july i mean yeah they have no time to talk or anything like that no of course they're gonna say our world series tainted but we know in our hearts it's not um you haven't been to a world series either like you had one of the best players in mlb history and ken griffey jr and he couldn't even get to the world series you know, same thing as Edgar Martinez. He was a great DH. Randy Johnson, Ichiro. Rand they won. Yeah. They won 116 games in 2001. Yeah, I mean that was a record, I believe. Yeah, I think that's still the record. I, it's still I the think. record. Yeah. So I mean, 
they they have no right to talk. But yeah, sc- service two, and there has to be a suspension. There has to be a suspension because that is the first pitch of the of yesterday's ball game, and it's at Altuve's head. Yeah, and at his head, we're not talking about you know back, butt, legs. No, it is at his head. That you know that's not right. You know he even knows himself. And they were talking on the broadcast, too, that George Kirby has only allowed 10 walks this year. 10. 10. We are, what, over 80-something games already, and he's only allowed 10 walks? He's probably had more than 10 starts. Why, you know, and he, Altuve already gets most of the BS from everybody, from every team, from every fan base, you know, and they're going to go hit Altuve. Yeah. Um, it just it he's arrogant. Um, you know, same thing happened over there in Anaheim when they had that brawl and everything with Jesse Winker and all that bullshit. It, it's pathetic, and that's how you, you know, can see that organization is a bunch of you know bullshit. And and credit to our guys that they didn't react because, like, obviously the Mariners and Scott Service they wanted to pick a fight, and you know oh, they were yeah, hoping. Definitely. You know, you know they were waiting for the Astros to come streaming out of the dugout and and they didn't. And I'm sure, I mean, everybody, everybody knew that was coming. It was every, on Saturday night. Everyone was like, Oh, you know, Altuve is getting thrown at or Jordan's getting thrown at tomorrow. You know? And sure enough, like there was part of me that was like, they're not going to do it because it would be too obvious, but there they go. And that is how we start off yesterday's game with, with Altuve getting hit. But the upside is we immediately made him pay. And it ended up being the difference. Uh, Altuve gets on with the hit by pitch. Yuli singles, and then we got a sweet double steal. Altuve steals home, and that's a that's a bit of a fuck you right there. Like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna hit me. Guess what? I'm gonna steal home and take a one zero lead on your ass. Um, yeah. And so then we saw Tucker come through with an RBI single, and so it it was two nothing Astros, uh, bottom of the first. Yeah, and then not even not even to mention the next pitch to Yuli is at his oh, head yeah. too. It was inside too, way inside. Exactly. So like, um, but yeah, let's not even talk about that bullshit because it was a bunch of shit all around. But yeah, I mean, the boys started off early, like you said, that double still was really clutch. Um, Altuve stealing home and everything like that as well. And then Jake Odorizzi, dude, Jake Odorizzi had a bounce back game, giving up you know only two hits, no runs. Two walks, eight strikeouts. I don't even think I've seen him this season pitch over eight strikeouts. So, I mean, two, if, like, you know, we've already heard trade speculations out there about Odo's name being thrown to as well. If this is his last star as an Astro, too, credit where it deserves. He held it down, you know, for us, especially um, that we didn't even know if Framber Valdez was going to pitch uh, last year because of that fractured finger. But luckily, you know, God was on our side and he was able to pitch and, yeah, you know, we had our ups and downs. Everybody's going to have ups and downs, and Odorizzi was one of them. Postseason, he pitched really, you know, decent. He did wasn't bad. Obviously, he wasn't on the World Series roster. Well, no, right. he was on the World Series roster, right? No. No, yeah. So I would have liked to see Odo pitch a little bit more in the World Series, but obviously that didn't happen. But like I said, if this is Odo's last start, I mean, credit where it deserves. Yeah, and, and he was phenomenal. I wish he could have gotten a little bit more run support. Uh, we mm-hmm. saw Elements Diaz got the day off, which, you know, that, that's a dusty right there, classic. That's, that's um, six for nine right there, and he's sitting on the bench. 
Yeah, and Dusty said it's because he'd been running a lot. That's whatever. Um, um but, but you know, Yuli Yuli looked good. Yuli has performed really well in that two hole. I think I looked over his last ten games, he's hitting three oh one, which I was just a small sample size, and it still doesn't fix the like greater mechanical issues that are going on with Yuli. But uh it's been nice to see that. Jeremy Pena Ofer in this series. He went 0 for 12 um, in, in this series, which is not great. Not what we want to see from him. Uh, and we've talked before about his kind of ups and downs and his regression a little bit. And I, I am confident that he'll come around. And at some point, he's going to have to. You know, he's going to have to mature into that role and, and take some better abs. Uh, Jake Myers had a really abysmal series. Um, really, the outfield as a whole. Kyle Tucker had a couple big hits, but didn't really step up. Um, Chaz and Myers, neither one of them had, you know, did a whole lot. Myers struck out, I think, like nine times this series or something crazy like that. Maybe yeah, more. he has a high, he he strikes out a lot. I've been seeing that recently. A lot. Now. He's been striking out. He's averaging a at lot. least a strikeout a game now. Like it's really bad, and I think they'll address that. You know, when it comes Monday or Tuesday. Yeah. Um, but like you said, I mean, the outfielders, they're just. Your our seven and eight really seven eight nine is where we're just missing one bat, and like you said, Jerry Pena I think is gonna come back. You know, he has to. You gotta. You're growing. You're you're a rookie, dude. Like, you think Derek Jeter was hitting three hundred when his first year? Do you thought Craig Biggio was doing the same thing? No, you're gonna obviously grow and mature into that position. Obviously, you're filling big shoes in Carlos Correa, but when you have a veteran that tells the media as soon as they saw you you seen like he's seen talent he's seen superstar right. written all over him he has confidence in him and i think that's where i feel like jeremy Payne is lacking on is his confidence he's not having a plan i guess when he's at the play going you know this whole series over 12 like you said um yeah it's just having that confidence you gotta have a confidence boost maybe somebody needs to like kind of give him a little boost as well i mean it helps players get help from other players and you know, they could just say, hey, kid, you're just doing this. You're doing something wrong right here. Uh, fix it mechanically and all this stuff. You know, that's how you're going to get better. And that's how you're going to grow as a player as well. Yeah. And, yeah, you know, hopefully we'll see him get going here here shortly. Uh, to wrap up yesterday's game, though, uh, despite Odo's fantastic outing, he's not getting credit with the win. Stanek came in, got a blown save. Uh, he gave up a, a two-run home run in the eighth to Jesse Winker, and it was Stanek's second home run of the season. The first home run he's allowed since April 9th. That, that was the third game of the season wow. um, and a loss to the Angels. So, I mean, again, we know Stanek's been an absolute dog this season. He had his own incredible streak of scoreless innings that just recently uh, came to an end, but he's quite okay. Uh Plus, the boys are able to bounce back and get the win. Jordan walks it off with a single against a shift. It just beats a shift and, and brings Mauricio Dubon in from third. Astros win. Astros win the series. Take the 3-1 series, three games to one. Um, it was solid. There, there's not a lot of complaints, I think. You know, obviously, you would have loved to win that game Saturday night, especially losing it in the manner that we did. It was frustrating, but you, you got to take those series wins when you can get them, especially against a divisional opponent in basically August. Yeah, you know, obviously we could have swept them. It don't matter. We already won the World Series against the Seattle Mariners. Um, like you said, it would have been great to have that win on Saturday night, but 
that's baseball. That's the beauty of this game. You're going to win some, you're going to lose some. And just right there, that game showed you. So time to move on. You know, now we don't have to see Seattle anymore, even though I would love to play them one more time just to give Scott services BS kind of shit. But, you know, who, who cares at this point? Maybe we'll see him in the playoffs. Maybe we won't. Maybe. But for now, we have the Red Sox coming into town to complete this seven-game homestand. Uh, we've got three games starting tonight. Uh, tonight we'll have uh, Luis Garcia on the mound versus Nate Uvalde. Uh, Uvalde is four for three with a 4.43 ERA. And really, this this whole series, there's a lot of question marks around it because the Red Sox are not the team they were in June. They had a terrible month of July. They're three and seven over their last ten. You know, two weeks ago they had that 29 to three loss to uh, the Blue Jays. You know, their potential sellers at the deadline. So it's going to be really interesting to watch this series um, as a whole because these are, we're, we're two teams with really like different uh, momentums right now. And, you know, seeing what the Red Sox are, they're going to kind of put up, are they going to put up a fight here? Are they going to, you know, just kind of be demotivated? It's going to be a real interesting series. Yeah. And they're all, you know, also too, we, they we've talked about if they're going to be buyers or sellers, you know, at the deadline. I don't even know, you know, sometimes they are wanting to sell, sometimes they're not wanting to, you know, sometimes they want to buy, but it looks like they're selling at this point. But three games behind, you know, Tampa Bay for that third wild card position in the standings. So it'll be interesting what happens and everything like that. Um, like you said, this Boston Red Sox team is very, very different, even before the season you know, started. I mean, these guys were playing them in the ALCS. Yeah. They were two wins away going to the World Series again. And, uh, you know, Castro obviously broke their dreams right there after that hit. And, um, you know, obviously that's going to be game one starter on uh, today's game would be Nathan Uvalde. And Uvalde hasn't been himself lately. Usually he's been a good pitcher ever since he came um to Boston, but I mean, he's just not finding the groove of things. Last star, he went six innings, pitched nine hits, four earned runs, and one strikeout to Cleveland. So, um, yeah, I mean, very, very different Boston team. Obviously, their record, even for the month of July, hasn't been pretty as well. Yeah. And, you know, if all his, his start before that was that start against the Blue Jays, where box course has nine earned runs. And while, you know, unfortunately, that is the way they're going to count, you know, that, uh, hmm. That fly ball inside the park, grand slam that could have should have been an out. That guy counted against him. Uh, but remember, this is a guy we hit five home runs in one inning off of Native Aldi back in May. So our our guys know him. We've seen him. Uh, would love to get after him. Uh, get some shots into the Crawford boxes would be pretty sweet. And Luis Garcia, uh, hopefully we see a, a bounce back from him. He got roughed up a little bit. Uh, back in Oakland last week, he only went five and a third, gave up four hits, four runs, four walks, seven strikeouts. So hopefully we can get Garcia going. You know, I I want to have faith in him, and I do, and I think long term he's going to be a, a strong asset for the Astros. But he makes me nervous sometimes. I think out of all of our, our starters, he's the one that kind of just makes – I don't know, man. I I don't know how much I how much faith I have in him for the big moments, but I want to see him perform well uh, tonight for sure. Yeah, I mean Garcia just needs to have a bounce back game. 
I mean, he did good in that Oakland series. He just gave up a lot of walks, and we talked yeah, about it in the video preaching. You know, four four walks, and I believe that's what what they had a grand slam off of that or something like. I I can't remember from the last series, but I mean, obviously they did hit a home run. Um, yeah, he gets shaky and everything like that. Uh, when he finds his groove, though, it's a different different pitcher, yeah. very different pitcher. Um, I wouldn't agree though on that part with the big moments. This guy against the Boston Red Sox as well, had one of the best pitching performances, I would say, in his career, closing out game uh, six at the juice box. For yeah, the but in game, two, in game two against the Red Sox, he got absolutely lit up. I mean, yeah, but I mean, of and course. And Jorge too... Soler took him for 800 feet. Oh, okay. We don't have to discuss about Jorge Soler because <laughs> he is not in this series, and that ball is still <laughs> roaming around the earth as well. But, um, yeah, I mean, Luis Garcia's – like I've been saying with all these young players, this guy came from what high A ball, and that's and that's a thing, yeah, yeah. I mean, he came from high A ball, got into a position in the 2020 roster, and obviously, look where he's at right now. I mean, yeah. this guy's a great pitcher. Obviously, the development of the players as well is just it's fascinating. So, yeah, big bounce back game. I think we would have to see for Luis Garcia, uh, for tonight's game, yeah, and then and then hopefully tomorrow night we can see. You know, a strong start from Christian Javier. Javier six and six with a three point two six ERA. Uh, his last start against Oakland was also a loss. You know, obviously in that sweep, uh, he went five innings pitched, five hits, three earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. It wasn't it wasn't a terrible start. Um, really, the offense just didn't do anything mm-hmm. behind him to give him any run support either. Against a team that the offense absolutely should have been able to do that, but you know he he. We, we've talked at length about Javier, what he's capable of, what he does. Sometimes it's not great. Uh, he's going to be going up against Cutter Crawford. That's Cutter with a K. It's a pretty solid baseball it's a name. It's pretty cool name. Yeah, um, pretty cool He's name. He's two and three on the season with a 4.15 ERA. He was a setup man in the bullpen who's moved into a starting role uh, since June. He has been decent. Um, his last few starts, he generally goes about six innings, one to three runs. I think his last four starts were one, three, three, and one. So, you know, he's a guy that's not not like he's like their worst pitching group, but he's not going to be lights out. But he'll probably be lights out against the Astros because that's how these things tend to happen. Um, so that'll be Tuesday night's matchup. And then as far as Wednesday night, who knows what's going to happen Wednesday night. Right now, the Astros' probable pitcher for Wednesday night is Jose Arquiti, but as we've discussed, he could be he could be gone by Wednesday with the trade deadline ending on Tuesday at five o'clock. We may be looking at a very different team on Wednesday. We may see Christian Vasquez walk across that diamond and switch clubhouses <laughs> on Tuesday afternoon. We who knows what Wednesday's game is going to be like, but there's a good chance that Wednesday is our first look at a very new look. Astros squad. Yeah, it's gonna look very great for well this series. I'm just looking forward to because it's always you know good teams, good names. Even though Boston hasn't have a great series, not series, but season this year. Um, and we've struggled under 500 teams as well. I don't know why. You know that's just the Astros. Period. They love to struggle against under 500 teams, and right now Boston's sitting at 51 and 52. So they are a below 500 winning percentage. Um, I think it's a bounce back for the Astros as well. They need to bounce back from 
you know, the la- the last series against Oakland, that was a that's an easy team to beat, but obviously we lost to them twice before and after the All-Star break. So I'm looking for a bounce back series right here against these, you know, Red Sox. Yeah. Or the below 500 winning percentage teams. So very, very eager to see what it's going to look like. Obviously, you know, we haven't seen Boston since the ALCS. And well, no, no, I'll take that back in May. We did see him. Yeah, we're slowly doing And we, we lost yeah, that series. We had that, we, we had that one yeah, game. Yeah, we did we lose. Hit, we hit five home runs in one five inning. Five home runs. And then lost the next two games. <laughs> so, yeah, so it'll be interesting what we do. It will be. But that is our preview for this upcoming series against the Red Sox. And also Monday night is Alex Bregman tonight is Alex Bregman uh, ALC championship ring. So get out there and get that. Yep. All fans. So you should be able, if you're coming off of work late, you'll be able to make one. As long as you have a game ticket, you should be getting there with one. All right. So that brings us to Astros roundup. And then it's a bit of a roundup today. because we got a lot going on. Uh, it's kind of the first time where it's really not an injury update. Oh, I guess obviously still no news about Michael Brantley. I think at this point, I, I think the front office and Astros fans just, we got to assume he's gone for the season. Yeah, you have to at this point. I mean, I, I, we haven't heard an update. We haven't heard an update at all. And especially he hasn't even swung a bat yet. So it's been it's going to be difficult. Yeah, it's going to be difficult to try to, you know, we could be optimistic about it. Him maybe returning. That's that's why I was saying maybe late September, that early October. But at the same time, too, we got to move on and we got to, you know, we got players that can step up, too. So I'm yeah. not really, you know, sad it's... or disappointed about it. But of course, at the same time, too, that's Michael Brandley. That's one of your best yeah. hitters in the game and in the lineup. Yeah. And, and you know, I saw, I think it was Danny Lerner from the Cron. He showed up the other day and he was wearing a hoodie that said, Everything hurts. And then he, he was playing catch in the outfield, but he was only throwing. He wasn't catching. He had a glove on, but he wasn't catching just to, like, preserve the impact on his shoulder. And, like, if his shoulder is so hurt that he can't even catch a baseball while just soft tossing, he's not coming back anytime soon, if at all. Yeah, and it would be interesting, too, even after this season, he'll be a free agent. Yeah, What teams are going to want to, you know, kind of, you know, je- not jeopardize, but like kind of jump the gun to see if he's going to be that same Michael Brantley that he was with Houston. Astros hitting coach Michael Brantley. Make it happen. Um, that'd be interesting. That'd be cool. I mean, <laughs> you, players around him, you know, learned a lot from him. And yeah. Brantley's given great advice. Maybe he'll be a good, you know, hitting coach, especially, you, you know, he's already probably one of the, like I said, he's one of the best left-handed hitters. If you want to imitate somebody swing a bat, or imitate a batting stance, that is your guy. As a lefty, that is the guy to look at. And I love it. You know, he's just all just calm, you know, no big movements with the bat, not swinging the bat around or anything like that crazy. It's just everything's, like, nice and calm. He has an approach to the plate. This man's hit, what, 300 already with Houston two times or three times already? So, I mean, we'll we'll have to see what's going to happen for Michael. Maybe he's going to have to have surgery too. So, hopefully not, but. We'll have to see. We will see. But in some good news, on Friday night, Jordan Alvarez became the fastest player in franchise history to reach 30 home runs in a single season, 84 games. That's that's very, very impressive. Obviously, it's it, he's incredible. Jordan is, is nuts. 
Yeah, this is why we gave him the big bucks, and I'm and great. he keeps getting better. I, he keeps getting I better. I know. And even you know, we've had you've had other MLB analysts have said like he's probably the best hitter in the game right now. Even though Aaron Judge is having a freaking mammoth of a season, going forty something home runs already, and you know Shohei Otani being the you know pitcher and hitter that he is, but. I mean, Jordan Alvarez is crushing it. I don't know if he'll get to the 100 games and break that record of Ryan nah, He's not going to get it. Unless he has a three-home run game, or I don't know. Some, something majestic has to happen for him to be able to break that record. He's now – that's going to put him – he needs nine home runs in, like, six games. So, I don't I don't think so. But he'll be a very close second. He'll be a very close second. Yeah, I think Peter Alonzo is second, I want to say, but yeah, but he has sure. there's like a 20 game gap between Howard and Alonzo. So oh, I think okay. there's a good chance that, right. I think he'll he'll break that, I think. Yeah, and he then he could, and then and then he gets to start hunting. Ryan Howard has fastest career 200 home runs, and then Aaron Judge just hit his 200th career home run the other night. So then Jordan gets to start hunting that one. But uh anyway, awesome. You've seen him seen him crush it and continue to crush it. Um Tuesday night out in Sugarland, if Lance McCullers Jr. on the mound in his third rehab start, and he's going up against a familiar face, Dallas Keuchel, who recently signed a minor league deal with the Rangers. Uh, he's going to be start, starting for the Round Rock Express, so it's going to be LMJ versus Dallas Keuchel on the mound. Yeah, Kid Keuchel is going to come back into the Houston area. Obviously, Sugarland's about a 40-minute drive from Houston, but It'll be interesting because he'll be pitching against his best friend. I think they're they're best friends. They've been together since spring training over there um, at West Palm Beach. And McCullers, I learned a lot from Dallas Keuchel. Um, they used to give each other rides too, to uh, the facility, the spring training facility over there in Florida. So, I mean, it'll be great to see. Um, I'm glad uh, Dallas Keuchel still pitching too. I've always been a fan of him when he was in Houston. Obviously. You want the big bucks and, you know, go head on. You already got your World Series ring. Try to make the most money that you can. And obviously this whole season hasn't been the best for him, but I'm glad he's still pitching and maybe he'll find something on the roster with Texas. But um, the biggest thing for us, I believe, is Nice McCullers getting that third rehab start. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully, you know, seeing more. I'm assuming they're going to stretch him out. I think he went three innings in his last start, so probably stretching him out yeah, to maybe three four. Innings. Um. Stretch him out to four innings, see how the velo holds up once he starts pushing 50, 60 pitches. Um, or you know, 40, 50 pitches. Um, you know, he's gonna be crucial. And a lot of the assumptions that we're making when we're talking about the trade deadline and what to do with pitchers, obviously, we're assuming that Lentz is gonna come back in and start and be dominant right away, which we've talked before. You can't expect these guys to come in off their rehab starts and just snap right back to it. You know, like he's gonna have a little bit of a a period of he might get hit around a little bit, but I think it's fair to assume he's gonna get back to his old self at some point. Um, but it's gonna be gonna be good to see that Tuesday night. I'm sure that's gonna be a, a really fun game. I bet I bet they're gonna have a big crowd down there at Constellation Field. Yeah, they have to, especially when Keiko won your yeah. you know, won the Cy Young Award winners and Houston franchise history comes back. Um. Yeah, Keiko's corner needs to be cruising somewhere in Constellation Field for him to, you know, I guess his little homecoming to Houston. Yeah. Um, 
And another thing, Astros Roundup, this is a tweet going around today that Maldonado, Martin Maldonado, has a has a stipulation in his contract. Uh, he's 13 games away from reaching a $5 million vesting option into 2023, uh, which obviously it's interesting. And if he hits that, if he has to play 90 games, and again, he's 13 away from doing that, um, I think he is going to for sure play, play 13 more games for the Astros, regardless of what happens at the deadline. Oh, especially the starting rotation. Yeah. I mean, you got a bunch of young young guns in the rotation and everything like that. Obviously, I think everybody just being around Maldonado has learned a lot, not just the the you know, starting pitchers, but the position players as well. He has one of the best IQs I've ever seen in a catcher. That play going at first base when Tucker threw it Altuve and Tucker not Tucker, uh, Altuve threw it to Maldonado at first when Taylor Ward uh yeah. Was had that single? I mean, no other catcher would do that. No, uh, not even Yadier Molina would probably do that. And I mean, I even though his bat is not the best, I think his deep. And we've all said it before: his defense and his arm has, you know, kind of contemplate that into his, you know, game. So yeah. But the thing is, too, are you? Do you think he finishes his career in Houston? Like. Because we got Corey Lee. I don't know if they're going to get a team option, not team option, team controlled uh, backup catcher or maybe even a starting catcher. I don't know at this point. Do you think he still winds up staying and finishing his career uh, in Houston? Can I answer in three days? <laughs> I think, I think it's three really days. Gonna, I think it's really, or two days. I think it's really going to depend, like you said, on the catcher we bring in because, you know, obviously you have Corey Lee, but I think. We've seen Corey Lee is not ready yet. Um, like, I don't even know if you could – I like, I don't really know if I want to see Corey Lee as a starting catcher, like, next season. I think he needs more than just one offseason of work. Um, just from what I've seen, you know, watching. And we, we've seen flashes of what he's capable of. But, again, like, his best game was against Oakland. Um, it's like we, we need to see – and, I mean – he struck out or he swung out of like a ball in the dirt from a position player pitcher the other night. And he's got, he's got some big league decision-making abilities um, that he's got to work on a little bit and his plate approach, but I don't know. And we have Johnny or Diaz down there in triple a two, who is performing at an exceptionally high level. Um, I think it's really going to depend on what happens here at the deadline. I think it's looking increasingly like Wilson Contreras is out of the picture for the Astros. Um, not saying it's impossible, but I'm so, I'm just kind of not sold on it anymore. Um, you know, so if we get a Christian Vasquez or we find somebody else who's going to be a primarily like a backup catcher or, you know, a, more of a, an even split with Maldonado for the rest of this season, and then we don't re-sign them, then I'm assuming we're going to roll with Maldi again next season um, as much as that's going to drive a lot of people on Twitter crazy. Uh, <laughs> I, I just think – buy a little bit more time until some of those young guys are, are really truly ready. Um but I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, I mean I think it would be a great opportunity to come back. And I, I think he loves just the organization mm-hmm. and the fans himself. I think he loves it. I think it drives his energy going, you know, especially in the playoff time whenever he cut down to Verdugo at second, make it that clutch play. I mean it was I think he's a great, you know, asset to this team. He's obviously, like I said, since Correa left, he has been the captain of this team. Um, everybody loves him in the in the clubhouse. Yeah, I mean, Corey Lee, 
like you said, I think he needs a little bit more work. Um, you know, he had that great great game in Oakland. Um, Jake Odorizzi has, you know, preached about him for the way he had uh, controlled the game. Uh, what was it? Sunday's yeah, yesterday's game. So, I mean, you can see the potential in Corey Lee, and of course, Yaner Diaz right now is just raking in Sugarland, and. We'll just have to see. I think he continues to develop. I wouldn't be surprised if Maldonado stays with us next year and maybe another catcher comes. I mean, I don't, you just don't know what this organization is going to do, really. Yeah, there's there's so many moving parts right now. Um, a lot of decisions to be made. And to me, one of those decisions, too, is revolving increasingly around the outfield. Um, I think we, my, at least speaking for myself, yeah, after the return of Jake Myers, at least initially, I was like, okay, Outfield is shored up, you know, we seem to focus now on first base and catcher, but then you have the Brantley injury, and then you have the performance, especially of Jake Myers. I mean, Chaz McCormick, we've seen him for two seasons now as a pretty much regular starter. Um, remember, Chaz got sent down back in June for like a day and yeah. a half, but he got he got option to triple A. And he was he was the guy who was gone, and he's performed better than Jake Myers, but he still has not provided really a whole lot. I mean, he hits well against lefties, and he had a decent last couple of weeks here, but he's not really a consistent bat. And really, really, with Brantley out of the lineup, the center field position is a complete and total question mark. Um, Kyle Tucker has not had a great July, or did not have a great July. Now that we're in August now. Um, Kyle Tucker did not have a good July. Obviously, we're hoping he has a better one. Jordan Alvarez's hand injury has hampered him. I think he's only played two games in left field um, since that hand injury. We have a very serious outfield problem that I think, to me, if I'm the front office, that's a bigger issue maybe even than than catcher is right now. Yeah, I 100% agree. I you just nailed everything right there. Um, you know, even James Click had said on 790 at yesterday's uh, game, before well, before yesterday's game on the radio, and he had said opponents are running on Jake Myers' arm and the team is trying to address it. Myers may still be holding back a little as he mentally gets over his injury. Well, you know, with the torn labrum in that playoff game against the White Sox, of course, you're going to, you know, kind of have some mental flashbacks whenever you're trying to get to the ball and you dive in. We've seen him this year already actually make some incredible plays in the outfield. Yeah. But but just right now, his – and I honestly – I honestly thought we had Jake Myers back. He was raking, you know, the, yeah. the rake that he had, everything was going great. And then all of a sudden, I mean, the strike – like we were saying earlier, his strikeout rate is just very, very high. Yeah, I mean – here. This is in his last 15 games. This is really isn't even telling the full story because this cold stretch goes back further than 15 games. But in his mm-hmm. last 15 games, he's five for 46, 109 average with 21 strikeouts. So he's averaging well over one strikeout uh, per game. And I mean, if you look at his strikeouts, if you've watched, they're bad strikeouts. Yeah. I mean, he's. He is swing and he's way behind fastballs up in the zone. He is watching pitches. He, I mean, he's taking two strike pitches right down the middle and, and and striking out. And I, man, I just don't know. I don't know if it's a timing thing. I don't know if it's a mental thing. I don't know 
it, it's almost like the thought I, I had this like to earlier today was you almost wonder if he's got a vision issue if he's just not seeing balls well I mean there was in, in yesterday's game he, there was an instance where it was like a 3-1 count and there was a ball right down literally right down the middle of the play at about thigh high and he started walking to first to take his base and it was like Jake, that was you. You just watched a strike, right? You know that, and Yeah. it's, I don't know. It, it's hard watching him, and, and it's hard seeing that. You know, knowing the promise that that he has, he performed so well last year, even in a limited limited stint there. But man, it, it's a serious issue, and I, and I I think that first base is going to remain the front office's priority. But if I'm James Click, I'm making. center field my number two priority pretty substantially Yeah, I think it's a big priority. Like I had said in our first um, trade spectacular, I think the veteran piece of having a veteran center fielder can help this team as well. I had thrown in a name of Charlie Blackman. I mean, this guy's still hitting good at the age that he's at. And, you know, people are not getting any younger. And for sure, Charlie Blackman isn't um, hitting at Coors Field too as well, being a, what, pitchers or well, pitchers friendly ballpark, correct? If I'm not mistaken, you know, with the, Coors is Yeah, a hitters friendly park. hitters fun. Okay, well, yeah. But if he goes a minima, it's a different story. You're you're pulling, you know, three twenty five, and then you got three fifteen at the Crawford boxes as well. Um, yeah, I think I completely agree. I think it's a address that we need to, you know, look at. Obviously, first base I think is the real priority before we go into anywhere else. But um, no, like it's like we're not getting down on Jake Myers either. But it it we've. preached and talked about this before i think it's what's best for the team and what's the best for the organization to win ball games and obviously everybody on their mind wants a championship ring if we're looking at that already you need to start looking at players right now until um you know obviously the deadline on tuesday Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, uh, which by the way, we're going to have part, talk, we'll mention in a minute, part two of our trade deadline special. We're going to do a trade deadline preview tomorrow night. Uh, we'll record Monday night and it's going to drop first thing Tuesday. Uh, maybe we even try to push it out a little earlier. Um, so we'll talk more in depth, but my kind of where I'm at with this, because really, I don't know. And you mentioned Charlie Blackman, Cedric Mullins is still out there. David Peralta got traded to the Rays over the weekend. Um, I don't know how many And Brian Reynolds too, as well. And Brian Reynolds is not going apparently anywhere. is yeah. Apparently he's not going to go anywhere. Um, So here's yeah. kind of what, what I'm thinking is, you know, we've talked about James Click and his he's got to make a splash. This is his chance. I think that we're going to, if we get an outfielder, we're not going to go get a project you know we you know we, we brought in Kendall Graveman who was a, a very solid reliever last year we brought in Rafael Montero who was hurt when we signed or that was coming off injury last season Yeah. we go get Phil Maton who had a little bit of an inflated ERA in Cleveland and we bring him here and he comes to be solid we're not going to do that with the outfield we're not going to go we're not going to trade for a guy hitting 235 with a handful of dingers I think that this is where Click makes his splash trade. I think it's dependent Wow. on how much it takes to get Josh Bell, or we mentioned here possibly G-Man Choi. Um, depending on what we, whatever we don't have to spend on first base, I have a feeling that that James Click is going to pull a big surprise, uh, some rabbit out of his hat, 
And he's going to go get an outfielder that no one is even talking about being available. He's going to go get somebody with a lot of, even if it means he's it's expensive. I think that this is, this is kind of a put up or shut up moment for James click. And if that means you deal Hunter Brown or you deal Johnny or Diaz, I, I, I know, I know, but look, Hunter Brown's Ooh. value, Hunter Brown's value as a trade chip has never been higher. And there's no promise that he's going to turn out on the major league level like he's like he is on the triple. I'm just saying that's always yeah, a big yeah. jump. That's always a big jump. You mm-hmm. can't always guarantee. And his value as a trade chip is pretty high right now. Mm-hmm. So I would not be surprised if we go get a outfielder with three, four years of team control from even possibly like a semi-contending team. You look at those teams on that are kind of on the fringe. I don't know who it's going to be. Obviously, my my fantasy, my dream, my dream get. I don't know. It's not going to happen. But just imagine for a <laughs> second if George Springer came back to the Astros in a trade deal. Just I would, I would, I would build a statue to James Click uh, in a heartbeat. <laughs> but I, obviously, that's not going to happen. But I do think so, that going to get so somebody s- out there like that is is what's what Click's going to do. So if, if you're saying that, who do you think would be that? big you know player that center fielder that could help this team you know if they're under three or four years of team control who's going to be that player you think then that's the thing man i don't know i think it could i think and it doesn't necessarily have to be a center fielder it'd have to look at the packages you know because Mm -hmm. theoretically obviously the astros do not like and we don't want really kyle tucker in center field that's like if we have to um I don't know. I, I I just I see James Click pulling pulling a rabbit out of his hat and going to get somebody, and it just may be a surprise to everybody. And of course, no one's talking. I haven't heard Ian Happ's name come up in a little bit, and he's not a center yeah. fielder, but that's another name that's still out there. Um, he could play center field. I don't know. I don't know what his um position time splits are, but I mean, I just that's kind of where my gut's sitting right now is that there's a big name out there in the outfield that no one's talking about. And that's going to be who Click goes and gets. Shoot, maybe even I was just thinking about it right now. I'm just looking at the teams. Maybe Tell Marte could be your guy. Yeah, I mean this guy was a yeah he was a great hitter last year, and he just signed a new contract with the Diamondbacks last year as well or this past year. So I mean he could be a good one. Um, Really, there's really not a lot we could say that's on the market in them teams because of course Atlanta's still they're in the wild card, but they're right on the Mets' ass. Uh, San Diego, too, with um, Trent Grisham. Philly as well. So it'll be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised because, like we we have mentioned, he hasn't made a big splash, and I think that could be his big splash moment right there. But, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to getting a big-time player with, you know, three or four years in control. But I think, like we've talked about, the main priority is getting that Josh Bell. After Josh Bell, I think that's where – click goes after that and sees what else is on the market and what you know which other players can help this team get better yeah for sure but um just kind of continuing that as far as josh bell goes i still think he remains astro's top priority um ken rosenthal of the athletic had an update last night saying that the astros were still pursuing josh bell he talked to josh bell and bell was um interested and like would like to go to Houston. Uh, he's from, he's from Dallas. His family's still there. So it's a fit that, that I think makes sense. Um, we'll have to see obviously between 
now on Tuesday at five o'clock, if that deal can get done, I'm sure, you know, the asking price is pretty high. We've seen um, some big asking prices going around for some of these rental players. Um, but he also, Ken Rosenthal also said that if the Astros didn't get Josh Bell, they would, their number two priority right now is G-Man Choi of the Raids. How do you feel about that, about him compared to Josh Bell, if that's who we end up settling for? Mm, I'm not a fan of it. Me neither, man. I'm not a fan I'm of it really not. I'm really not a fan of that, honestly. You know, I'd rather just stick with Yuli if that's the case. I, I and Yuli hasn't, I, been, Yuli hasn't been doing bad in the two-hole either. He's on a six-game, what, five-game hitting streak. So, but yeah, I... I it's basically for me, it's all or nothing. It's you got to put all the chips on the table for Josh Bell at this point. And so like too. you were talking about, and you like you were talking about with Hunter Brown's, like, uh, you know, his stock of his trade that was Forrest Whitley. Forrest Whitley was like this, what, three or four yeah. years ago that and Jeff Nuno said, Yeah, we weren't going to trade Forrest Whitley or Kyle Tucker. And I will never forget that because it was for Noah Syndergaard, and that's when Syndergaard was really dealing at his time, the Thor of everything over there in Queens. And, well, um, and Forrest Whitley would have been part of a prospective package for for Bryce Harper. Real Muto, well, even, oh, in 20, uh, no, 2019. Because that's when we were on that World Series run, and Luno was going to get him, but obviously we got Grinky, but even um, JT Real Muto, too, with the Marlins. I mean, they yeah. were asking for Whitley as well, so you and just imagine if we would have traded him for a real muto, a Senegard, or a Bryce Harper. Well, Bryce Harper would have been a rental, really. Yeah, that's that um, was in that was in that 2018 season because oh, then Harper, Harper, okay. Harper signed with Philly in 19. 19. Okay, gotcha. So, but yeah, same difference. Yeah. But that that's what I'm saying is like we can't be scared to to deal Hunter Brown if we have the chance I mean, to go get a legitimate superstar. And that was the thing with Luno too; he wasn't scared. Of making any type of trade, no. and you obviously saw that with the Verlander giving away, uh, Daz Cameron, which was our top three or top five prospect in our farm system and everything like that for JV. Obviously, we gave up Seth Beer, uh, JB Bukowskis, Corbin Martin, and Josh Rojas to Arizona for Zach Grinky. So Luno has made these deals, and look where Corbin Martin I think is in the bullpen right now with Arizona Bukowskis. Mm-hmm. Is dealing with the injury or uh, in the minors. I think the only one that's probably playing, getting playing time over there is Josh Rojas. So, I mean, you you're you're right. You just got to put your chips onto the table and you got to gamble. These are the things you got to do. That's where the trade deadline comes into play. You just got to gamble and hope everything you know works out on your end. Yeah, and you know something else too. In in Ken Rosenthal's update was, uh, you know, talking about the Red Sox and something else. Um, you know, the Red Sox, we, we mentioned it, they're kind of free-falling, but stabilizing? I don't know. Fangraph still has them at about a 20% chance to make the playoffs, so they're not going to blow it up too hard um, as far as being sellers. But the two guys that they are listening on are or two of the guys are, are Christian Vasquez and J.D. Martinez. So apparently, they're not dealing Xander Bogarts. Um, he's not available. But this is where it's interesting to me is that – Boston's asking price for J.D. Martinez is a top five prospect and a player from a major league roster plus an additional piece and or cash. And that's coming from Pete Rugazzo, a Mets beat writer for Sports Illustrated. And to me, that is a huge asking price for J.D. Martinez in a rental. 
Yeah, that's a lot, especially for his age too. I mean, you would you would see that more of a you know, like a Juan Soto, like a high leverage package for a player like that. But I mean, J J, you can't sleep on J D Martinez either. No, but at the same time though, too, you got to be smart. Um, you know, giving up that many players and you know your top prospects too for him. And I'm really shocked they're not gonna trade Xander Bogarts. I'm, I'm, because I, I doubt he'll sign with Boston after this year. He's not. He he won't. Yeah, he he's gonna he's gonna leave. That's why I'm saying I'm really shocked Boston hasn't tried shipping him out. Try to get some young talent, young prospects in here. You know, probably some. I'm pretty sure you could get at least two top fifty. You know, of the 2022 prospects, but um, you know that's on them. Obviously, I think Rafael Devers is gonna get a contract extension with them. I don't know sure. how long it's gonna take, but I think Boston. I think that's a big priority for them is to keep Rafael Devers in that organization. Um, but Christian Vasquez should be interesting. Um, you had mentioned it as well that you know in the trade part one spectacular and that you know he was a underrated kind of guy to get. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we do try to land him. It'd be nice too to land him because of his bat and you know his catching ability. He's not he could be a good backup catcher to Maldonado. Obviously, um, you know, he he's a veteran at this point. He's won a World Series ring in 2018. He's been in the playoffs a couple of times, too, as well. So and this ain't nothing new to him. And it'd be funny, you know, like last year we gave up Abraham Toro and Kendall Graveman and Rafael Montero, and they just basically swapped clubhouses. It'd yeah. be pretty funny again if it happened this year with the Boston Red Sox with uh, oh, like, Christian Vasquez. Like that scene in Moneyball, he's like, I don't want him pitching against me tonight. Send him over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. My thing with Christian Vasquez, though, is I, I'm curious, you know, if, if that's what the Red Sox are asking for J.D. Martinez, what are they asking for him? Because, I mean, you're right, don't sleep on J.D. Martinez. He's going to be a very valuable bat wherever he goes. But he's also 34, 35 with lingering back issues and a rental on top of that. And Christian Vasquez is a rental as well. So while I'm assuming his asking price isn't as high, if they're still on the high side, it makes me – and to me that kind of plays into my theory about the Astros upgrading at first base and outfield and then you know making their big plays there and maybe they'll go after a much smaller level backup catcher, you know, somebody who we're not really even thinking of um, as a third priority if it gets to that point. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Again, we'll cover way more trade updates in, in tomorrow's um, – Trade deadline special. Uh, we did briefly mention Luis Castillo went off the board on Friday night. What do you think this deal for Seattle? They send him four top 30 prospects, or I think three top 30 and then one who was just outside. To me, well, for, from the Astros perspective, I don't think this trade could have gone any better for us. Mm-hmm. I, I totally agree. Um, I think they gave up. Actually, I think they gave up a lot. I feel yeah. like Seattle gave too much to Cincinnati and Cincinnati, of course, is like, oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah. the funny thing, too, that Seattle wasn't even on. Well, they were on the radar to get him, but the favorites was most likely going to be, you know, New York. And obviously and Seattle just. Yeah, St. Louis as well. So Seattle was kind of like, you know, what, let me put something together. And sure enough, he did put something together for the Cincinnati team. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be. Interesting. I think the Astros still dominate the Seattle Mariners. I mean, everybody 
from 20 what 2019 or 2020 they had Oakland beating us and then they had Seattle winning the series this year not series a uh, division this year yeah and it's you know it's just fantasies going on so but yeah i yeah. mean yeah i mean they gave up too much for uh Luis Castillo and to me like we don't play Seattle again in the regular season and obviously we might catch him in the playoffs but we might not but I'm just glad he did not go to the Yankees. Oh, definitely. Like, That's the number one. That was the number one thing for me. I was hoping that he wouldn't go to New York, but I think it's because of the the facial hair and the beards and the hair. You think that played that in they, that horde? It has to because he. I was reading an article that that was the only thing that he didn't like about if he had to go to New York was cutting his hair off because there's certain players that you know they love their facial hair. They love their hairstyles that they have on and everything like that. And Luis Castillo is one of them. He has them dreads or like, I don't even know what they're called. You know, what Framber has on right now, that's what he has. So I, that could have been really that came into play was that. And I think, you know, thank God that they did that. So, but yeah, like you said, we don't, we don't play them until if possibility, we could play them in the playoffs or we won't play them until, um, next year so and plus he's only going to play one more year in seattle and then he'll be a free agent so huge loss to me for seattle to give up what four prospects and like you said three of them being top 30 so great win right there for cincinnati yeah uh and then we'll wrap up a couple more around the league things uh mike trout got some good news in his injury we talked about last episode that uh that rare back condition He's been talking to doctors, and I think his quote today was, it went from being season over or career over to back on the field soon. So, you know, happy for him. Obviously, it'd be a huge loss to baseball to see his career end early, and it's good that sometime soon he'll, he'll be back on the field here for the Angels. Um, you know, you like to hear that. And then Juan Soto still remains the biggest uh, wild card on the block here. Uh, Sunday night seemed – Reports indicated that there were essentially three teams still in the running for Soto. The St. Louis Cardinals, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the San Diego Padres, who are considered to be the leaders for Juan Soto. And that's going to be interesting. I think that that deal, if it happens, it comes down to the wire for sure. I, I think it goes between San Diego and St. Louis. I think they got the better packages, the better prospects, uh, players as well. So it'll be interesting what you know, happens with that. I mean, just yesterday there was a photo surfacing around. It was the Seattle, not Seattle, um, Washington general manager and the St. Louis Cardinals general manager shaking hands. It looked like they were smiling as well, greeting each other. That could have meant, you know, that could have meant something right there. But, you know, of course we're not going to know what's going to happen. That conversation. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I mean, San Diego has all the top prospects, even one being McKenzie Gore. Uh, one of their best pitching prospects that they had. And he just came into the season this year. And um, yeah, it'll just be interesting. I think I personally think Soto lands, even though San Diego looks like they have the lead. I think they, he goes to St. Louis. I just have a weird gut feeling that he goes over there. I think it's going to be San Diego if, if it happens at all. So we'll see. Um, but anyway, that is, that is our show today, guys. Uh, thank you so much for your continuous support and listening these next, what, 40 hours, 40-some-odd hours are going to be insane. Uh, lots of deals coming down to the wire. Out of left field, we're surely due for some surprises. 
Um, I know I saw a tweet that like the GMs were telling the reporters that this is going to be the craziest trade deadline of all time. And I know James Click even said on, on 790 before yesterday's game that just because of the expanded playoffs, like things are just moving a little slower because the market is just different this year than it usually is at the deadline. Um, with the, you know the draft just happening, kind of changes teams how they evaluate their farms and stuff. So I think that last day is going to go crazy. So stick right here with us. We got you covered. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna be very intrigued on my phone all 24 seven. I'm gonna be looking at my phone. Any little ding possibility that oh, yeah. MLB sends or ESPN or anything like that. Oh man, we're gonna. I think everybody's gonna be glued to their phone. I was like this last year when. Um, they traded for Kendall Graveman and same thing as Zach Grinky. I you mean, know, I was just refresh, it, refresh, refresh. Yeah. Refresh. It, it's, it's, it's always a great time when it comes to trade deadlines. It's like a little kid waiting for, you know, to open his presents on Christmas day. So yeah, like you, like Will said, just stay with us. We got you all covered over here. Of course, we'll talk about our trade spectacular two tomorrow. And, you know, hopefully we got some good news of Astros, you know, new coming Astros coming yeah. to this organization to help this team maybe win another World Series title that we haven't won since 2017. But I think it's now um same thing as Click. I think he has that win mentality now. Crane's been like that for a while. Ready to improve. Ready to improve and bring another title to Houston. Pat it out. Well, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Yeah. See you.